I usually get weird looks from people for a lot of different reasons. But one of the reasons that I get weird looks from people is when I tell them that my wife Abby and I went on our honeymoon to Las Vegas because it's not the most romantic getaway that you can think of. We got married, then we got on a plane the very next day to go to Sin City. Now, a family friend of ours gifted us a timeshare. And so we were kind of looking into this incredibly generous gift. And the timeshare meant that we could go really anywhere on our honeymoon, but we kind of had to be able to afford, you know, like airfare and food and what we were going to do when we got there. So the only place that we felt like we could really afford was Las Vegas. It had super cheap airfare, free buffets if you knew where to go, a few shows and museums that usually weren't the things putting the word sin and sin city. So we ended up going on the entire honeymoon for $300. That was imp- I was impressed at the time. Now I can't even get a tank of gas for $300. <laughs> now, one thing I remember about our trip is what it was like to walk out onto a casino floor. See the huge sea kind of, of slot machines, the cacophony of the sounds that go along with them. I mean, all different kinds, all different colors, all different themes, all different costs. As soon as we got off the plane, actually, there were slot machines right there at the gate. I remember the person walking off in front of us, and she said that it was lucky for her to gamble as soon as she could, so she just beelined right to a slot machine after she got off the plane. She might still be there, I don't know. But people have all of these like theories I found out about slot machines. Some people methodically play on one and they're like going to grind it down and they're going to win on that one. Or other people use the slot machine just because another person abandoned it and they think they like, I don't know, got it like lucked up or something. But I did some research on this. People like hit certain button combinations. They'll only do it for a certain amount of time. There's some people who lick the slot machine. No. Absolutely not. But there are all these theories, there are all these ways to approach it, but even with the strategies, it's a seemingly random, dumb luck that helps people win or lose. That there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it, it's just some people win and some people lose. We view God like that sometimes. Like if luck goes our way, he's smiling at us, he likes us. If things aren't going our way, we lose and he isn't providing for us. We've probably felt like this sometimes. Have you ever been like in a really crowded parking lot and you can't find a spot for your car, but then like all of a sudden something in the front row opens up and you pull into that parking spot and you're like, we win, thanks God. Like, or maybe it's somebody who took the last brownie out of the pan and you're like, we lose, bummer. Like God didn't provide that brownie for us. But let's raise the stakes. Let's get real. In the Bible, there are a bunch of people who get healed, right? If you read like the New Testament, second half of the Bible, there are a bunch of people that Jesus heals. We see them going from like not being able to walk to running or, you know, being just riddled with disease to being completely healed. And we think, well, they must have done something right. They must have been at the right times, kind of dumb luck. They win. But what about all the other people alive? When Jesus was alive, there are people, if you kind of read carefully, if, if you're reading the New Testament, there are people that interacted with Jesus that didn't necessarily get healed. Even those that tried to reach him, did they lose? Like just bad luck? 
Now we're in this series that we're calling God in a Box. And the hope is this series kind of addresses some of these misconceptions that we have about God and why we should care about who God really is and what he's all about. And today we're talking about this kind of win and lose type of view that we have of God. Here's kind of what we're calling it. We view God like a cosmic slot machine. Here's what I mean. We sometimes kind of fall into this dangerous way of thinking that if we pray, he'll give us what we want. We put in the quarter, you know, we pull the lever and we like have the cherries kind of turn and turn and turn in. And we just hope we have our fingers crossed that the fruits match up and give us the jackpot, an answered prayer. Have you ever done that? I've done that. God, please help me pass this test I didn't study for. That's a real example in my life. Calculus test, it didn't go well. Other examples of that, God, please help the Colts win. That's, he's answered that once in my lifetime. I pray it all the time. You know, God, please take away my anxiety. Please take away depression. God, please provide financially. There are all of these real things that we ask for. And sometimes we think, okay, well, if we do enough good stuff or if we ask well enough or whatever, we get what we want. Like we get the jackpot and we view life like it's kind of like this big crapshoot. We gamble and sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. That's the way it goes. Either we see God as inconsistent, like he doesn't really love us, or if he did love us, he should provide for us. We should win the lottery, or at the very least, that he should just acknowledge the fact that he's not providing in the way that we hope. But I think we can all come up with scenarios where we've witnessed, or maybe we've lived things that don't go the way we had hoped, and then we go, where's God? Like, I put in the quarter, I'm doing my best. I've pulled the lever. Why does it keep coming up empty? Why don't things pay off? If I'm following God, why did my loved one pass away? If I'm following God, why are my finances strained? If I'm following God, why am I so stressed? Why do bad things happen in the world? Why am I so lonely? Why did the things happen in Buffalo that happened over the weekend? Why, God, aren't you there? Don't you care? Aren't you listening? I'm praying, I follow you, I want what's best for you and your kingdom and your community. Like, why aren't you listening to me? Why are the doctors saying this? Why is my family saying this? Why is my relationship saying this? And in the losses, we get lost. And we don't see anything other than just dumb luck. Like it's a crapshoot. And we start asking, can God really provide? Or will I have better luck in the casino? And really, I think when we have questions like that, it's perfectly understandable. It's actually fair. It's actually good. God can handle questions like that. And we can ask him. And there are questions that are really questions about God's provision. Now, Jesus actually talked about God's provision all the time in the New Testament. Jesus taught about how to ask God for his provision, how to pray, how God does provide. So we're going to look at three examples. They're back-to-back-to-back examples from the chapter in, uh, in Luke. It's Luke 11. So if you have your phone, I'd encourage you, check it out. We've got the message notes in there. You can follow along the scriptures in there. The scripture will be up here on the screen as well. But in each of these examples, there are these three examples, Luke 11, back-to-back-to-back, we're going to find a takeaway about God's provision. And he 
he's really talking about how we interact with God through prayer. So we're gonna learn about how to pray and how to interact with God's provision. So the first one is called the Lord's Prayer. Have you heard of the Lord's Prayer before? Even if you're not familiar with church, maybe you've heard of kind of our Father who art in heaven. Have you ever been like to a, maybe a wedding or, or something that people prayed that or thought that or, or interacted on, on that type of thing? Our Father who art in he- heaven, hallowed be thy name. So this is kind of the way that our translation says that this is what it says. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished one of his disciples, his followers came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, okay, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. Have you heard that prayer before? You know, a version of that prayer before? Now, last week, we talked about the word Abba. It could be literally translated as the word daddy. And so Jesus is saying, hey, this is a name, father, Abba, daddy, is a name that indicates love, indicates familiarity. And this prayer starts with that important thing. It's like God knows us and and knows who we are and what we need, that he should be put first. But we rush to the other part of this prayer at least I do, I get to the food part like right away. Like, please provide food. Like, that's what we go to. We think, all right, you know, okay, our Father and give us the food and forgive us our sins, you know, those types of things. So check this out. We put him first. That's how Jesus is talking. We put God first. We make his name holy, his kingdom, his will be done in our lives and in our world. That's how he starts the prayer. He said, okay, He's first, then what happens? Well, give us each day the food we need. That's our physical kind of provision that we need in our lives. Well, what else? Well, spiritual need, forgive us our sins. That's a huge deal. So our daily need is, need is met, our physical need, our eternal need is met. But Jesus keeps going. He mentions relational needs, forgive those who sin against us. And then emotional needs, don't yield to temptation. Give us the strength to do that. So he breaks down and he says, God first, then physical need, spiritual need, emotional need, relational need. God loves us, we put him first, and as he does, he provides in all of these different areas. That's what Jesus is saying. So what can we learn from this section? What's our takeaway? Well, here it is. We are dependent on God's provision. We can't provide enough for ourselves. We try, don't we? Try to put in the work, put in the effort, put in the time. We think that if we do that, it'll all turn out okay. We put in kind of the quarter to the slot machine. We pull it. Is that too expensive for you? You're more of a penny slots person. Put in a penny in there and you pull it. And then what happens? We get frustrated because he doesn't provide in the way that we hope he would. Or we start to compare our provision for somebody else. Anybody guilty of that? You know, we see somebody else and we see their Instagram post and we see their family or we see their their vacation, or we see their food, and we're like, I, that looks awesome. They have it all together. I wish I had it all together. Can I tell you a secret? No one has it all together. Nobody. If we saw what happened right before and right afterward, we'd probably go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, that's not, that's not good. That's more of the bad and ugly part of things. 
Let me give you an example, kind of show you a picture of my family. This is my favorite family picture. Really soak that in. Yeah, there's so much happening. So right in front of me, that's my daughter, Eliza. She is not having it. I don't even know why she's just not having it. Abby, my wife with my daughter, youngest daughter, Ainsley, wrestling, that's real life, right? Like really struggling with that. Asher's in his own world. I don't know. And I'm completely oblivious to all of it. (laughs) But that's real life. That's why I love the picture. That's real life. If we saw people in these types of moments, we'd probably stop comparing because reality is we all need God. We all need God's provision. We all need help. Whether we know it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, we need it. And so that's the first part of this section. Jesus is saying, you are dependent on God's provision, whether you know you are or not. Well, what's the next part? Well, right after he starts talking about put God first, and this is how to pray, he talks more about how to pray. He tells this little story. It kind of goes like this. Say you have a neighbor, maybe a great friend, and you go over to your neighbor's house in the middle of the night, and you start knocking on the door. Middle of the night, it's midnight. Hey, 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 hey. I need to borrow some food. You're like, what? It's midnight, man. Go get your own food. White Castle's open. Like, what do you want from me? And we're like, no, no, no. We keep knocking. We keep knocking. We keep knocking. We're like, hey, we need some food. We had guests come over and we're trying to provide breakfast for them tomorrow and we don't have any food. And you go to this neighbor in the middle of the night and you're like, hey, can you give me something to eat? How do you think the neighbor responds? This is what Jesus says. Don't bother me. Yeah, he's probably editing that down. There's probably a few other words that this neighbor uses in the middle of the night. This door is locked for the night for a reason. And my family and I are all in bed. The dogs are put away. Everybody's sleeping. Do you know how big of a deal it is to raise a child from sleep? A huge deal. At least in my house. I can't help you. Leave me alone. Now, the other day, I I got my car stuck in the mud, which sounds bad. It was in my own yard, which is even worse. But it was so kind of far back into my yard, the tow truck wasn't willing to help get it out of the mud. So it was just there. We almost got my van stuck in the mud, attempting to get my car stuck, you know, get, get out of the, the yard. This is a very long story that I don't have time for. Like there are details. There's a tractor and chains and ropes and all sorts of different things as a part of this story. But I'm desperate. I'm like ankle deep in mud. We needed help. I couldn't do it on my own. And right at the exact right time, our neighbor comes rolling past. He sees that we are in this predicament. No, there's not a picture of it. Thank you very much. I don't have a picture of that. But he stops and he helps us. He wasn't grumpy at all, actually. He was very kind. But the point is sometimes we need help. The point is sometimes we can't provide the type of help for ourselves. And I'm really thankful that my neighbor didn't say, don't bother me. I'm like, to be fair, it wasn't midnight. He probably would have said, don't bother me at midnight. But he showed up and he helped. And you come knocking at this house, at your neighbor's house at midnight. And you're like, hey, help me. Hey, help me. That's how I would have responded too. Don't bother me. Leave me alone. Go away. Are you kidding me? Don't wake up the family. This couldn't have waited, but say you kept knocking and you kept knocking and you 
kept knocking, I guarantee the neighbor does whatever he needs to do to get you to leave him alone. This is how Jesus describes it. This is verse nine. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. So is that the point? We just need to bug God. God, 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 God. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Put in the quarter. Pull the lever. Put in the quarter. Pull the lever. Is that, what, is that what the point is? Of course not. Although I do really believe that God rewards persistent, fervent prayer. I believe that's part of what Jesus is saying. But I think this is really the point of the story. If a neighbor in the middle of the night who doesn't want anything to do with you is willing to help you out, how much more is God willing to help you out? Infinitely more. So the takeaway kind of this middle story is God is accessible, he is willing, and he is able to provide. Not only are we dependent on God's provision, we have to have it whether we know it or not, but he is accessible for us to ask. We can call out to him. He's willing, he is listening, and he is able to provide. He's not inaccessible like we act like he is sometimes. Have you ever like tried to get a hold of somebody and it's just impossible? You know, emails are bouncing back, voicemails, you know, don't, don't get put in there. You know, you leave the kind of the bubble on, on red. You're like, hey, I see the three dots. You're responding. You're somewhere that you got this. Like you said, well, I'm, I'm kind of completely out of, out of the jurisdiction. You're like, jurisdiction of what? Of AT&T? They go everywhere, except for like my living room for some reason. God's not like that at all. He's not off the grid. He's accessible. He's listening. He's willing to help. And he encourages us. No, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. But here's the important piece to this, and here's where the cosmic slot machine kind of comes in. This does not mean that we get whatever we want when we ask for it. That's not what he's saying. We make the mistake, put in the quarter, get what we want. This is in the context, remember, of what he said first, this is in the context of putting God first. This is in the context of saying, may your name be kept holy, God. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. It is all about you. And then after we put God first, he provides. He provides not our desires, but in alignment with his desires, not our ways, but in his ways, not what we see fit, but what he sees fit. And when we do this, when we put God first, we can trust that his provision is actually what we need, not what we want. Actually, most of the time, it's not what we want. But as we're dependent on God's provision and he's accessible and he's willing, and he's able to provide, Jesus caps it off with these couple of sentences to remind us of the type of provision that God provides. He's going to do it. He's able to do it. And this is how he does it. So this is Luke 11, starting in verse 11. This is what he says. You fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? And there's some dads out there, some joker dads are like, yep, that's hilarious. My son would love a snake. You're right, like 
That's true. But the point here is, hey, he's talking about provision and harm. So the fish is provision. Hey, God, give me what I need. He's like, no, I will give you what you need. Maybe not what you want. Oftentimes what we want is like the snake. That's not rhetorical. Like he's saying, yeah, this is harming you. He says it again. Check this out. This is verse 12. Or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. That would harm you. So if you're a a sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children. I'm going to stop right there. He's talking about all of us. He's saying, if you kind of aren't God, if you're finite, if you are sin, you make mistakes and you're able to love your kids, you're able to provide for what they need. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And that's where it is. It's these three words, how much more? Because the answer is infinitely more. Infinitely more will God provide for us. If we can provide for each other and for ourselves, how much more will the creator of the universe be able to provide for us? So much more. What's the point that Jesus is making? This is what he's saying. God provides perfectly. God's not the grumpy neighbor. He's not begrudgingly answering the door. God's not the parent that loves us imperfectly. God provides perfectly. And Jesus even gives an example of how he does that. How does he do that? Well, it's through the Holy Spirit. He said, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's a huge deal. It's the perfect gift. God is giving the gift of himself. Comforting us, guiding us, convicting us, loving us, giving us strength. God provides perfectly. And I don't know about you, but that's beyond my comprehension. I don't fully get all that. This is like me going up to the slot machine, putting in the quarter, pulling the lever and going, I hope I win the jackpot. You know, I hope I win a million dollars. And then God says, okay, how about I love you perfectly instead? How about I provide for the very needs of your soul? How about I give you hope and peace and joy? That's perfect provision. See, that's what God is in the business of doing, providing perfectly. And he does that through the Holy Spirit, through access to him at any time, in any place, no matter what we have going on. Another way that he provides is through people. It's these people around us that are following God They're called to love other people. So if you follow God, if you say, yeah, Jesus, I'm following you, we're called to love other people. And when that happens, when God uses other people to help provide for our lives, it's significant and we get to do it with them. It's an amazing thing that we get to do if we follow Jesus. We get to be his love and his provision in other people's lives. Now we have an example of that. Maybe you have an example of that in your lives in your community, in your family, of somebody who shows up and does something that's so kind, that's so provisional, that's so compassionate, the only reason that they would answer, yes, I do that, is because of Jesus. But we have an example that we'd like to share for you. And, and so much so that this person wanted to provide and not take any accolades that she didn't really even want to show her face on the screen. 
We said, hey, we really want to do this video. And she was hesitant. So Reed Chapman, our connections pastor, is actually going to share her story about how God used this person to provide for another person. Let me tell you about my friend. Let's call her Princess. Princess is one of the kindest, most joyful, uh, happy people that I've ever met. She is somebody that's made a difference in our church and outside of both. Honestly, there's a pretty good chance that you've seen her smile at you or wave on a Sunday morning. What I love about her is that that hope and that joy that God has provided her with, she provides that to people not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week as well. A while ago, her coworker's son was diagnosed with a terminal brain disease, and that's horrible. So Princess responded to that with compassion and kindness, not just in words and conversation, but she backed it up with her actions as well. So our friend, in this moment, my hero, what she chose to do is she chose to do the job of two people for the pay of one. Not only did Princess do this in a way that was effective, she did it in a way that inspired others to jump in as well. That's awesome. It was a really clear example of Princess being God's provision for a friend going through a horrible season. Now, the son we're talking about has passed away, but Princess didn't stop there. She continues to walk alongside her friend and coworker, bringing joy and maybe some occasionally needed laughter, even as she helps her friend grieve. I love it. I'm so grateful, but it's not easy. Honestly, it wasn't even easy to get her permission to share this story. Uh, that's why I'm the one sharing it and she's not. But it's cool to see our friends, fellow Ridgers, doing anything they can so that people can experience the hope and the joy that Jesus brings. So this is my friend, Princess, and this is her whatever it takes story. God provides in all sorts of different ways. Ways that we see, ways that we acknowledge, ways that we don't. And Jesus points one out and he says the Holy Spirit, God himself, is a way that God provides. He provides through other people surrounding us, loving us, guiding us. And another way God provides perfectly is through the cross. See, God loves us so much that he sent Jesus in the first place. And when we have something like communion, which we've had as we've gathered together today, it is a way to remember and to celebrate God's provision. And it's not provision that people were expecting. They expected kind of like a religious guru or a military leader, not a servant, not a servant that was going to be executed. But Jesus died on the cross and through that, he provided eternal life. He provided access to God in a way that has never been imagined before. And anyone who believes in Jesus has access to heaven, has access to this perfect provision. See, God provides perfectly. And I think if we look through Luke 11, it helps us see if we put God first, if we put him in his rightful place, if we make sure he's our focus, his provision knows no bounds. We're dependent on God's provision. He's accessible, he's willing, and he's able to provide. And he provides perfectly. So what do we do with that? How do we apply God's provision to our life? Like how do we walk like he actually does provide? Well, there are two questions that I think can help us kind of ponder through this. Here's the first question. Will you ask God to provide? This is a vital part of these verses. 
Ask God, talk to God, spend time with God, have a relationship with God. He already knows what you need and this should give you permission to ask for anything that you're already hoping for. Tell him what you desire, definitely do that. But also ask God to provide in such a way that he aligns you with his desires, to his will. If he really loves us perfectly, his will is the best way. It's the safest place to be. His provision is perfect. And I don't know what you need in your life, but my guess is you need something. And God knows exactly what you need. And we can ask him right now while I'm talking, you're not paying attention anyway, it's fine, to provide. Provide the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, provide his love. But you might be thinking, Adam, Like, what about today? Like, what about right now? I'm struggling. I don't feel like God is answering me. I'm doing my best to follow him, or I don't know what I think yet. And I'm trying to figure this out, but it's like I'm putting the coin in the machine and the screen is circling and it's just coming up blank. And I'm asking, I'm knocking, I'm seeking. And maybe for you, it's not happening. And you're like, I still feel hopeless. I still feel sad. I'm still in debt. I'm still alone. I don't know what to do. Or maybe the very thing that you desperately hoped for can't be provided for. You know, the loved one is gone or the abuse can't be taken back or the behavior that you've had, the mistakes that you've made can't be taken back. The damage is done. And I have a confession. I don't fully comprehend all of it. I don't, I don't think I'll fully understand why God provides in some ways and then he doesn't in other ways and where he is in all of life's wins and all of life's losses. Because hear me, life brings loss at times. And we can struggle with a loving God allowing difficult things to happen. But listen, the promise here isn't that God will provide in the way that we desire, even if those desires are good, The promise here is that God loves perfectly and he provides perfectly and that perfection is with us always. In the loss, he is with you. In the pain, he is with you. In the mistakes, he is with you. In the sorrow, he is with you. In the damage, he is with you and he will stay with you and he loves you. And so perhaps the provision that you're hoping for isn't what he'll provide but the provision that he provides is perfect love for us. So we ask this question, will you ask God to provide? But here's maybe a better question, a deeper question, a more vulnerable question. Will you trust God when he does? Or maybe a better way, will you trust God when it doesn't feel like it? That's the harder question. We like the concept of asking God and that he'll give us what we desire, the slot machine. But trust in his provision is perfect even when it doesn't line up with what our hopes are or even when we don't understand it. I truly believe that God provides perfectly even in the hardest, most difficult stuff in our lives. And often that provision happens even when we don't understand. It happens in the middle of thinking he abandoned us or it happens in the middle of us not understanding or not not going to him with what we need. It happens in the hardest time. Oftentimes, his provision is the fullest in the most difficult moments of our life. 
We're dependent on it. We're dependent on God's provision. He's accessible, he's willing, he's able to provide, and he provides perfectly. So will you ask him to provide? And then in the middle of the hard stuff, in the middle of the times that you're not sure, in the middle of the times when you're like, is he showing up? Will you trust God when he does? Because God provides perfectly. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we admit to you that oftentimes we don't understand the way that you provide. There might be some ways that we see and acknowledge and celebrate, but there are so many ways that we don't understand or that you're providing in a way that's loving to us that we, we would prefer something else. We, we just confess that to you. We admit that to you. We surrender that to you. And my prayer is that for every single person hearing these words, whenever they hear them, however they hear them, that you would provide in a way that meets your will and is perfect and is in alignment with your kingdom and what you want. We put you first. We put you first, God. And this week, as we enter into this week, challenge us with trusting you in your perfect, perfect provision. Because we believe you are able to provide. We believe that you are so good. We believe that you are with us and that you love us. And you've done that through the Holy Spirit. You've done that through people. You've done that through Jesus and the cross. And today we are grateful that you love us and that you are not just a distant God or not a God that we hope and kind of cross our fingers that you will provide for us, but you are our perfect, loving provider. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.